Welcome back to the Twin Geek Cast 133. We have a special episode. We're live from Portland. Uh, live from just outside Portland. I'm here with David. Yes, and I'm here with Calvin, of course. Uh, I'm so glad to be back together again. This is our third in person? Second in person? I think so. I think it's our third, right? We did it. We did Notorious. Notorious. We did Blue Velvet at Blue your Velvet, place, yeah. I remember. And now here we are for playtime. Uh, at a new place. Sound might be a little different because we're in my living room, which is a little more comfortable than the tiny office space from which I record. But yeah, the acoustics might be a little different. <laughs> I might have different pronunciations than before. I don't know. I, I would have predicted you would have pronounced it that way, regardless. But <laughs> yeah. So I I got here earlier. I should go over my ride here. <laughs> uh, within ten minutes, got a little rock chip in my windshield. Oh <laughs> shit! <laughs> I was driving with my dog, uh, going seventy-five and a seventy. Uh, all of a sudden. Flashing lights behind me, uh, the five O, the fuzz, pulling me over on the way to Portland, just uh, right before Battleground, so nearly, nearly down here. You're very close. Yeah, oh. uh, and then he pulled me over and he's uh, comes up to the window. I'm I'm a little shaky because well like my history with drugs and police, <laughs> but uh, but then he's like, oh, it's just like my dog Jojo. I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> So I talked to the copper uh, about his dog. They, they might not be humans, but their dogs are important. Um, so uh, we, we bonded over dogs, unfortunately. Uh, but that got me out of any ticket or citation. Um, so it was a good day. Uh, despite the rock chip, uh, still come out ahead. It's it's a very interesting encounter. I can't believe he pulled you over for five over still. That's, yeah. that's pretty ridiculous. It's kind of like a, did you see me coming there? And I'm like, a, no, I don't really care about you. <laughs> I don't really note your presence. <laughs> I do wonder, if, if he's the kind of guy that would pull you over for five, I imagine he would have given you like some kind of ticket or, or warning or exerted his power in some way Yeah. if you didn't have your dog with you. If it weren't for my whiteness and dogness and the car seat in the back. Wh I think white privilege plus dog privilege plus e car seat e equals privilege. total immunity yeah. from the law. I think having a kid is also valuable. Having, you know, um, having a kid and a dog, I, I think, go a long way. Um, they match any sob story to get out of a ticket, uh, so you don't have to. Uh, but then I came down here, and uh, we played uh, WarioWare. Yes, we, we did play a lot of WarioWare. Wario, um, yeah. I'm, I'm sure we'll hear more about it once the Daydream cast returns. They're, not, they're never coming back. <laughs> never? So. Uh, yeah, probably not, but... Uh, in, in the hypothetical reality in my head in which they do come back, Pavlos is, is there, you know, going on about the new WarioWare game, and, and Bro is kind of just nodding his head solemnly, waiting to talk about Dark Souls again. He doesn't want to talk about Nintendo, and he's kind of done with the Nintendos. But, uh, but Intelligent Systems, one of Pavlos and I's favorite developers. So and mine. I, I you like Intelligent? I do. Okay. I do. I'm a big Paper Mario and Fire Emblem fan. Yeah, Paper Mario is pretty good, and uh, and the Fire Emblem is emblem <laughs> is pretty decent as well. But WarioWare and Advance Wars really where I get my rock off, and Rhythm Heaven which I think Pavlos and I have like a shared uh, fondness for. Uh, I do hope they come back, because I do want to hear his take on it. But I love these kind of focused micro-mini-games where it feels like the best thing Mario Party could be, Mario Party, excuse me, <laughs> could possibly be. Almost slipped uh, there. Don't, almost broke character. <laughs> but uh, yeah, WarioWare, we, we were playing that. We got through some of that. That's uh, what our site's playing right now. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm sure my, my fiancé will be upset when she learns that we 
beat the game finished. without her. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it'll be all right. We'll smooth things over well, before the a, wedding. It's almost, yeah, if there's a wedding since you beat yeah. the game. Yeah, yeah. That, that might throw things into question here. And uh, I said that I was going to dress as Wario and you uninvited me. <laughs> so that's unfortunate. <laughs> Well, look, they're all out of Waluigi costumes, so, you know, <laughs> it, it wouldn't make any sense to just have a Wario there. Otherwise, I would. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I hoped our friend Murph would uh, join me in dress as the Waluigi, but uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm very happy for you. Uh, I, and I uh, I got to see your new place. I'm, I'm in your new place. You have a new house. I do. It's an actual is... house, not like a, a fake like shed that most millennials afford nowadays, yeah, I think. I mean, it's, I think it's very impressive for us millennials who live in apartments I, and I've, have never seen a house before. As so. I said when I did the first Cassier from the house, we are very, very fortunate to have the backing of, you know, some very, um, uh, you know, appreciable parents. Yeah. And also the the financial situation between us two that we were able to find this and that the housing market was fortunate enough and that we were aggressive enough at looking for a place. Just everything came together and we have a very nice, happy little home now. And I'm, I'm to... so I'm so glad you approve of it. Welcome to White Privilege, the podcast. <laughs> it is. It's, this is a very White Privilege podcast today. Uh, and th- I think that's what a lot of Twin Geeks listeners come here for. They I think come here so. for a, a regular dose of White Privilege because... That's essentially all we have to offer, other than and other you know, than an alternative to the alt right. Yes, yes, of yes. course, alternative <laughs> yes. to the right. That's... Alternative to the alt right and, uh, and white the... privilege. Yeah, is, yeah, that's mostly what we make up our audience with, and we're uh, talking about a very white white movie today, which is uh, a playtime, um, which we're going to get to. Uh, what do we do after we? Uh, we drove down into Portland, uh, into well, the well, seedy underbelly. I, I took you to get tacos. We had, oh, yeah, we had a, yeah. a, a nice place at a little hole in a wall next to a gas station and around it, the corner. I was surprised because you said it was a hole in a wall, but I wasn't, I wasn't expecting a literal yeah, hole no, like in the side l- of a building. Literal like, hole in the side of a building. Like a cannon shot through it and there's a hole in the Those are the best places, though. That's, that's where you go to get actually good food. Well, you, I, you, tried, you tried a horchata today for the first time? Yeah, I, yeah, the horchata was good. I don't know why they call it a whore. I think that's a little demeaning. <laughs> but uh, uh, besides the the whore part of it, uh, yeah, I, uh, my my Mexican food place is stuck in like the uh, side of a Goodwill, uh, and then it has a bakery in the back where they fresh bake all their bread and they use the fresh Mexican ingredients from the uh, superstore there. Uh, all kinds of Mexican candy. Uh, the first time you go through one of those aisles is always a special uh, mm-hmm. trip through another culture's idea of what American candy should be. <laughs> But it's it's just because we've hoarded that because we have nothing else. As we're going to learn later, institutional bu- bureaucracy doesn't necessarily make it things better. <laughs> no, it makes things fall apart eventually. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I like the specialty stores. That's why I live in a very the most diverse part of Seattle uh, because I I really like that kind of culture and. Uh, having that stuff around me and available options, I think it's beautiful. I think that's kind of the, been the the theme today as well. A lot of our discussions today that we kind of had casually were like the white privilege. Contrast. Uh, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, that too, that too. Yeah. But but like compare and contrast between Portland and Seattle, and kind yeah. of also this idea of like the the kind of like like dangers and like like uh, sleekness of of the city. You know, the sameness of some areas, which kind of ties in with the movie. I think we we talked about today, and that that idea of you know, the encroaching modernity, but also, you know, the kind of the plethora of, of, of culture and personality that really bursts from, uh, you know, more densely populated areas like this and why, uh, particularly we, at least, were, were attracted to our two 
local, you know, Northwest Bastions here of there's, population. There's reasons that I don't stop talking about the Pacific Northwest, and one of them is that it's all that I see around me, and the creativity <laughs> is so inspired and so all-encompassing that it's unavoidable. But the other one is I just find it really touching that things come out of here, and they seem different than something that could have come out of Ohio or Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So you, I, you at least have that perspective of other of places. O- I've, I've only lived here on the coast but you know like i i was tiny little town on on an island you know only got to see seattle a couple times a year yeah then came down here and i'm like oh i love this place and you know uh it took a couple of years even from there for me to actually go out into the city more and be like oh there's things in the city to see oh it's not just this little offshoot area off the off the river here with you know with a its own chain theater actually nearby i've i mean i've lived in uh, uh you know, Seattle and other very diverse places like Utah and Ohio. <laughs> uh, very, uh, very diverse. More diversely. There's, uh, there's Mormons I, and uh, not Mormons. <laughs> well, there's mostly Mormons. Yeah. Aren't there? I mean, they're very, they're very populated, those Mormons. Uh, I, but I also lived in New Mexico, so... Uh, Less I, Mormons there. Yeah. When, when you go to an adobe there and nothing's a hole in the wall, everything is Mexican food because it's the fact of life. It's, it's like just food into, there. They just yeah. call it food. Yeah, it's they call it new food because it's new Mexican, right? They, right. Yeah. <laughs> but I lived on a ranch there for a year or two, so I, I don't know. I have a few. Were you a cowboy, Calvin? Is that what you're telling me? Were I? I mean, I still consider myself one. Like once a cowboy, always a cowboy. Right. right. But I, I helped a horse. That's why you're wearing a, a big ten gallon hat and spurs <laughs> right now. I always wondered that. Like it always seemed kind of weird that that, that you seem to always, always dress, be dressed like that. Yeah, I have the poncho. Yeah, yeah. The, you, you're always showing me your champs before like our our calls here, and I'm, and I'm always like, that's that's interesting. Okay, I'm just kidding. After like the twentieth time, though, I'm like, all right. Do you have anything else? No, I'm just getting ready for the cry macho season, which isn't really showing in our markets for press. So they're showing uh, it here. You, you said that it was. It's showing here. It's well, just it's, not it's available. Showing, to it's showing press. it at at our theater here yeah. that, that you saw. They've already got advertisements for. They're it. just not doing anything for Seattle or Portland press. So that's awesome. Well, good job. I wonder why. I'm sure there's no political motivation for that whatsoever. Clint Can you Eastwood. think of any? <laughs> I'm sure it's just something with the studios. And, uh, I don't want to point fingers. I don't either, but but it's it's suspect is all I'm saying. There's, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've seen but all But al- also, Eastwoods. I don't care that much, so, you know. I care a little bit. I, I know you care. You're 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 much more vested in the directorial trajectory of ninety-year-old Clint Eastwood. Yeah. yeah, he rides a horse, so I'm gonna see the movie. Right. It's like, oh, it's kind of westerny, but that's like been his last three films. Like the the, the appeal, or isn't it like? No, Richard Jewell is different. Well, like the 10, mule. The mule is like, oh, it's like a like a kind of like because in anything that involves like you know mexican u.s relations and like drug cartel is like oh it's like a modern like western thing like like people said that kind of same thing about like sicario or whatever too and, and yeah. he's like really stretching really, the definition there really like tyler sheridan in that space the hell and high water also was was one of those now that, that one makes sense though more so like i would argue even more so than like even no country for old men which is definitely like a neo neo western but that's all that's really being made nowadays, uh, you know. No, that's not true. We had First Cow last year. We had the, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean... We have another one, The the Power of the Dog by uh, Jane Campion coming this oh, year. Oh, right, right, right. And we have that black cowboy movie. Uh, we're, we're really coming off well with our privilege. <laughs> the one with Idris Elba, the Netflix cowboyer. Mm. 
I guess, I guess there was other things like that. I, I was thinking more lines like, oh, like news of the world. Like, yeah. do, do you remember that last mm. year? No. Exactly. I remember the editing. That was that was nice. Did it win? Nice editing? Editing? I don't remember. It, it was up for it. O- Oscars last year already really foggy. No Madeline won. That's all I remember. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, and and Ma Rainey got a lot of stuff. That's what won me the, the our Oscar pool. Didn't a freaky win from the director of what? Happy Death Day? No, to you? no. Was it even nominated? Yeah, I thought for it what? was Vince Vaughn for Best Actress. I, for best Actress? <laughs> yeah, she, she turns into the girl. I, I, oh, I know. That, that would have been funny, actually. But That, that would have improved the Oscars. I think we should just drop the, uh, uh, you know, the gendered categories and just add, you know, 10 actors to a field, 15 actors. I, I think what we should do is we should have them fight it out on stage, like an acting off. Like, you should have, like, the team of jack Jackass against the team of uh, the French Dispatch. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, I think I think that would be very impressive to see. I would much rather that than, you know, what, what are, this constant deluge of ads and, like... <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I've done something different this year. I haven't watched any trailers, like, whatsoever, like, for oh, the whole oh, year. Well, I mean, now, now you've seen a trailer. I know, that's, that's what something. I'm getting at. Okay, I, okay. Uh, we went to the, uh, let's go through the rest of our Okay, okay, you're right, we? we did get very off track there. How do we get to the Oscars out let's, of this? Let's do this, uh, trailer thing. Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, he contacted the Hollywood Theater, or Hollywood yes, yes. Theater contacted so, him? No, Paul Thomas Anderson contacted the Hollywood Theater. He looked at their schedule for what was showing, he saw Playtime, you know, and he said, this film, before you show this film, you guys, I want you to show this new 35 millimeter print of the trailer for my new movie that's coming out licorice pizza is that yeah. what it's called yeah you <laughs> which turned... is a ridiculous name but you, well you turned to me and asked me because i think it was like soggy bottom boys or something a couple weeks ago <laughs> and then it suddenly soggy bottom changed to licorice pizza which is the name of an old record shop that's long defunct uh because it's thinking of like vinyls as licorice pizza right like that's oh, the okay. that's the tangential can... like connection there. i can see that it seems like a ridiculous ridiculous name on paper just but like what does that even cool. mean but yeah but when you when, when you, you think frame of like, it like delicious that, like vinyls and like pizza and oh, licorice. I, I don't i don't think of licorice and pizza together as delicious though what but i get vinyls yes yes vinyls are very delicious that's something what? else maybe, maybe we also I, I still need to have you look at my vinyls now we, we're okay. running we haven't done all of the things we wanted to do in this very short window of time we had together but Anyway, <laughs> I, I was grinning ear to ear. I think that whole trailer that looked like some extreme Calvin core shit. Like that's some, it that's was, almost like that Richard Linklater core that I'm really it was, fucking it, into. It was definitely very Linklater. I got yeah. that feel very much from it. It's it's like a '70s. Or, I don't. I, I got a little bit example. Was it just me or is is Bradley Cooper playing Chris Christopherson? Yeah, I think <laughs> yeah. I think that's a. I like it too. Going, like I got to double check the credits to see, but there was like a whole bit in the trailer about him dating Barbara Streisand <laughs> yeah. and he looks like Chris Christopherson and I'm like there there's the star is born link as well that I'm thinking in my head yeah. and if that's the case and if you crack cast Bradley Cooper specifically for that that's funny it's all funny I think I think it's very good looking too I it mean. was it was a funny trailer it was an exciting looking film they played David Bowie's Life on Mars throughout it. it was and great. it was great. Yeah. It was great musical And it choice. wasn't like one of those like slowed down versions. Sometimes you just want the real fucking version and it yeah. sounds good. No, and, and, and it fit. It gave me Boogie Nights feel with yeah. like kind of the throwback to the 70s, 80s. I'm, I'm guessing it's it's somewhere around that time, you know, late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, kind of like Linklater's two high school college films. Right. And, and then somewhere between that and Boogie Nights. So I'm fucking in. Like, I'm a huge like PTA fan that I don't 
talk about that much, but uh, yeah, Phantom Thread was like the movie that got me writing about movies for a website. So, right, right. Yeah. That was kind of what kicked things off. But I'm I'm excited to see this because Boogie Nights is is way more my uh, okay. Anderson jam. That's that's like kind of my top film for him. And so this looks like a lot of fun. And I don't I'm not used to seeing these guys who who are these kind of more serious prestige you know, <laughs> modern art tour directors like make less fun movies like this one yeah. doesn't look like it's taking itself as seriously it's it's having some good fun while also looking like it's mining some real like coming of age emotion Fuck to it yeah this looks like the most extreme calvin thing that i've seen a trailer for and uh, like i say i've avoided all trailers but i think the gesture is so sweet too that he wants it in front of 35 millimeter playtime which i think yeah. Yeah, I think. Well, and, and it was a it was a real surprise too. Yeah. Literally, we didn't know until moments before, um, you know, the movie was about to start. Nobody else has seen the trailer yet. Uh, you know, we had a warning not to record anything, and and we didn't. But here well, you here's are. Here's my recording. This I'll is, post it on the yeah, site. No. This, well, this is this is a, a a a sneak preview, an exclusive on the Twin Geeks cast, provided nobody else who was in the theater tonight also has their own podcast and are talking about the trailer right now. I really doubt any other white people in the audience have a <laughs> podcast. It seems very unlikely. I'm guessing we're the only white podcast in I, Portland I think, and Washington. So. Regardless, I think we'll get this up first. So maybe yeah. we will. I mean, this is, this is supposed to go up tomorrow lead, yeah. morning. Yeah, I, th I think it might be, but uh, we'll see. Uh, I mean, it depends on how quickly I can turn around and edit this. I mean, this doesn't need edited, does it? Just, just throw this shit up. Uh, I, I guess. It, just it'll... put that, put that licorice pizza and let it spin. Sit and spin, <laughs> as they say. <laughs> but yeah, I guess we kind of skipped over a step to get there. Uh, oh, what's yeah. the Hollywood Theater, Calvin? A place that we went after we went to Ground Control. What's the Ground Control there? Okay, we got to go back. A bit. <laughs> we really skipped ahead. Yeah. So, so after I guess after we had our. Um, our, our Mexican food out of a hole in the wall, and then we went back home, and we played more WarioWare. A literal hole in the wall, I'm just reminding. Yep. Yeah. Then we, we made our way down into Portland and went to an arcade called Ground Control, which is a terrific place that we had a lot of fun at. Wouldn't you say that's one of the best arcades in the area? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, an old school, like, actual arcade it's like when you walked into like a theater in the 80s and they had the actual like mall space next to the theater which is my great memory like going with like my mom or my dad to the theater and then i just go off and fuck off in the arcade while they went shopping for like all their christmas shit and that, that was like my fondest like kid memory of just being left alone in the most perfect space for a kid and like trying to figure out those mortal Kombat codes and uh the street fighter twos and threes and uh, uh the metal slugs they had they had, yeah, metal they had, slug, they had a metal place. slug machine which is my greatest affection yeah, it's 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 a real again like for anyone who's played metal slug of course they know it's just one of the most like well-made games of its kind particularly in that kind of arcade format wouldn't you say it has like the best like aesthetic depth and like weight to like characters in like those like 2d run and gunners yeah and it's and it's the right amount of play for your quarters oh yeah you get a lot out of it actually i mean it feels like challenging in like the perfect way like it's a it's a real challenge there's because there's some games that are really great that that started as arcade machines but they're better on different ones like for example we didn't play it there but i'm sure you saw <laughs> it they had a gauntlet machine by the way you you've, un you've unlocked my favorite kind of video game which is one that starts as an arcade and gets better so yeah that's why i'm a dreamcast guy <laughs> so there's a gauntlet machine there and i love gauntlet i love gauntlet dark legacy i played yeah. that a lot but 
That is you the don't console wanna, port, right? You don't, yeah. You, you want to play it on a console, of course, because if you play it in an arcade, it's impossible to actually like progress any because you're constantly <laughs> yeah. losing health so that the, the game makes you pump more quarters into it. Was, That's the whole point. Was that one where they had like the memory card gimmick that you could bring your console? I feel like Gauntlet had one of those where you could bring like your game GameCube memory card. And then put it in the arcade machine. Is that is that? Am I making it up? I don't know. I don't know that. That we, was a we'll thing have for a to, while. We'll where... have to consult the video game experts. <laughs> there was, podcast. Well, they don't have arcade arcades in Germany. So. <laughs> I'm sure they they never heard of such ah, a concept. Oh, let me just yeah. uh, sit down there, David. Ah, sorry, make some room here. Ah, take take that shit away. All right, Jesus. Oh, sorry. I was just passing by. Uh, I was actually delivering some video game fun facts to the president uh president biden i don't know if you know him anyway he he asked for some uh for some video game uh, facts so you know i I thought i'd bring him in person uh we could play some smash etc anyway i I overheard your conversation and uh cal is actually correct uh you there were various uh arcade cabinets that allowed you to either save your stuff or transfer your saves from the home to the to the cabinet for example gauntlet legends is a good example nfl blitz is another for example that took the n64 memory pack uh, you could plug it in uh there's uh, games by konami uh by namco by sega uh, they have various um various technologies uh, a lot of them now like magnet chips or nfc chips uh, that you, you can save stuff on with the uh, arcade cabinet i think bimani games like uh you know the the music games they have uh cloud support now even like in the in the modern day but uh, even back then um think of the neo geo mvs aes system the home system the arcade cabinet you could transfer saves since it was you know the same cartridge and, and stuff so um there were there were a lot of games ps2 games um uh there's there's a lot of a lot of different uh examples for this so Cal is actually correct anyway uh, let's get back to your uh, to your show there and uh, you know check, check out ours daydream cast with uh, Brogan we'll, we'll be we'll be back soon I promise, uh, promise. We also, uh, pretend to be cops in a time cops time, yeah yeah oh no what's it time crisis time crisis yeah time crisis too that was that was good it was a good light gun it I was had... hard because I, I forgot that you have to like hold it all the way up to the screen and so I, most of my shots didn't register mm-hmm. but I held it like James Bond I... and I held it sideways <laughs> I, I have fun with those like light gun games yeah uh, uh, House of the Dead is a is a classic that wasn't there mm-hmm. we, we, played... we should talk about all the games that weren't there there was um, uh, they they usually have a Dragon's Lair. There was no F Zero GX, no, uh, which is uh, one of the great video games. There was a uh, no um, Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift two thousand and three, <laughs> the arcade game, which is at most of my movie theaters. Uh, um, get on it. Uh, mm-hmm. They had the they had the Pong. That was yeah interesting. Was that even a video game though? Is it a <laughs> is it a video game is if it's a physical object i think it's still being tracked digitally though like there's a digital display right but which makes me is like original but, but they were they were man. physical pong pieces like a pong board in a cube that was moved across the thing they look like, like they're magnetically like foam, right but it's yeah. magnets yeah and it was really cool but also like finicky like <laughs> sometimes it wouldn't hit our thing and it would just go swinging back but it was super uh, cool, and I, I didn't mind like putting a bunch of money into it to keep playing that because it was fun. And uh, I played Smash TV. If you fucking know, you know that's <laughs> that's the game. But I think we spent the most money on NFL Blitz two thousand. No, it was ninety nine. Uh, it was ninety nine. Ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. That's the one that first came to the 
the Dreamcast, so uh, I was a I was a big proponent of ninety nine. Uh, I played a lot of it. I know that you just gotta throw the bomb all the time and get around <laughs> your guys and keep flipping it so I keep you off balance. Yeah, uh, I, I thought I was doing then. really good at first, but then you just kept smashing me in the end. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I I think the the tail of the tape just told uh, who's the victorious footballer. Yeah, uh, which is unfair because I've played like dozens of hours of that in in my past life. So. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Um, what else? There's in, a in pinball. Yeah, pinballs. We we yeah. played a, a lot of pinball today because not only is there a whole upstairs section of pinball machines uh, as ground control, but we also went to dinner to to Wedgehead in the Hollywood district of Portland, uh, who also you know utilize the same uh, warehouse of pinball machines and they swap between the two places a lot. So there was a lot of carryover, and fortunately, because they had my favorite pinball machine that it was missing at ground control over at wedgehead and i was very excited to show you that which links back into a movie discussion here so for those of us worried that we turned into a a different podcast oh there is a movie link they uh they had the the best um movie game there stranger things (laughs) they didn't have a brand spanking new stranger thing pinball machine that was really nice animated lord i was like that was really surprising i'm like oh look they're still churning out new, new IP. properties yeah, yeah. I, I think what's really good is you get like the action on the flippers is real hot on those so. yeah they, they've yeah. got nice like long flippers too uh that's I, what she I said think, yeah <laughs> i i think that's probably a big difference between older pinball pinball machines where they again they're they're, they're trying to get you to shoot that ball down the middle so you pump more quarters into it yeah they are <laughs> <laughs> if you know you know <laughs> but yes uh after that calvin what did we do after that, we played Dracula. The yes, Coppola's Dracula. There's a there's a there's a Coppola's Dracula pinball machine that that's owned by these people that I love. I think it's really weird and but cool. Would you say it has authentic Gothic themes? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I I like the spooky ball that's like that scoots across the board. It's, it's it's magnetized. I've never seen that in a pinball machine before, and it and it's just really creepy. Well, you came back to where I was hanging out with your fiance, and you came back with like black eyeshadow on, and I was like, man, that's some real gothic <laughs> themes in that game, I guess. Uh, I I played the Jurassic Park. I had some real good rolls on the Jurassic Park. I had three or four well, balls going. Well, well, what was really nice, and I need to encourage anyone who owns a multitude of pinball machines here to this, is that <laughs> yeah. please offer more opportunities for, for like, like a flat rate pay. Yeah. Because that's just great. Like $10 charge to come in and play as much pinball as you want. That's, that's the best. We have a, we have a bar in Seattle. I'd recommend anyone called shorties. That's unlimited play and a really great bar. Um, and they have like pinball leagues and people come down here and play probably at that place. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a whole community, uh, Portland Retro Game Expo is also a must-check-out if you're a pinball guy. Or California Extreme if you're ever in that area and have uh, maybe $20,000 to buy a, a new pinball table. Yeah, they're, they're they're an expensive hobby, I imagine. So us us mortals can only afford to yeah. go when, when you guys are hosting well, very, very generous <laughs> play offers there. That's so. why we need that free play to get our, to get our balls on. So. Yeah. To, to get our kicks. Get our balls on the table. <laughs> that is a thing people say. I do like the Dracula one, but I like one with a real plunger, like a real plunger yeah, with some that's, action. That's, that's the only drawback like the, to I it. I don't like start buttons. It's a buttons. button. Yeah. It's a bu- yeah, I agree. 
plungers of the way go which was the nice thing about the mandalorian stranger thing was i'm like ah even though everything else is like digital Very they got like lcd screens yeah. and stuff you still got that that manual plunger no they great. have they have problems too because they have like the 12 second clips and you're just like fuck i just want a pinball right now yeah I, there, I there's like one, one there's like a marvel one where like i had to like you gotta flip through options and hit like both both flippers to like select what power you want to use. One, I'm like, is, I, got, I ain't got time for this shit. Is Keep that a video game coming. now? Uh, more than the pong is. What's, yeah. What's a video game? Yeah, this is this is a lengthy discussion of all of the gaming things we did today because that's a lot. There's a lot of mutual activity we did, but this is our our general. Let, let, it's our it's our playtime discussion. We did a lot of play. Yeah. Play timing this week. We did. We sure did a lot of play time. Um, <laughs> that, that'll be it for this month's Daydream cast. <laughs> we hey, really want them back. Yeah. We do. Pavlos, Brogan, We're hear pleading. our cries. We miss you. Well, I think they're coming back. They're coming back next month, I believe. They're they're going to be paired. So so fret not, dear listeners. The your your reason for living is is on its way, and the only reason we actually met up is to have an intervention with Pavlos and Brogan. We're we're forcing their hand now because we love them and we care. <laughs> is this this is usually the spot where we take a break? But yeah, I don't think we need to take a break because we're here. I'm gonna get a water though. Okay, we're taking a break. I guess after all. Okay, I'm ready. special chair my armchair that i've had with me for a long time yeah thank you for the special chair i'm glad you enjoyed my is chair. this a is this a show thing or a a real life thing the chair yeah um yeah is, the, is this chair for the show no this, no I no don't. no it's this conversation oh the, i, I don't know podcast i don't know what well, what ends up on the cutting room floor is is destined based on the whim of when i'm editing um okay i can imagine this this banter staying in you know i i cut a lot out of the last one we did. You like, did? Oh, yeah, like the whole intro, like before yeah. Steven came in. I just cut a lot of them like, oh, that's definitely not as funny as we thought it was at the moment. Snip, snip, snip. Oh, this is all good, though. This, this has been this has been pretty good. But I say that now, but we'll see. <laughs> this part's not very good. Yeah. Because yeah, I have no idea how to transition back to what we're doing now. Well, we spent our time doing our playtime at the tables. Let's talk about the Hollywood theater. That yes, is, uh, I I have been 
ranting and raving about the Hollywood theater on this podcast for years now. It is it has been my go-to destination for all movie things until I opted to discover another theater just earlier this <laughs> this year. Uh, but it's it's kind of funny because I didn't go to the Hollywood for the first couple of years that I, I lived here in, in Vancouver. I, I mostly went to the chain theater still downtown, the, the Regal. And then it was, it was my fiance one day uh, who like, like pointed out this place to us. We went to go see the first film we saw at the, the Hollywood was uh, The Shape of Water when mm-hmm. that first came out. And we thought that was a, it was a really nice experience. We were like, wow, this theater is really nice. It was it was kind of a and it was a really good movie to see there. Like yeah, the, I can with see the it. the connection of of the theater. You know, there, there's a very nice like like a theater plays a central part in that movie. You should have seen that movie in theater, or, or you fucked up. Pretty yeah, good. Yeah. So so they had a nice like like thematic echo in seeing that there. And then the first one, of the, the the first um like screening like this, repertory screening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we saw was a 35 millimeter print of Night of the Hunter. We saw there, pretty which, sweet. Which is definitely one of the more memorable film, you know, cinematic going experiences that I've had. Uh, it, it definitely kind of solidified what was special about going there and seeing these older films with these kind of crowds. Which was going to be our first podcast at some point. It, Night it was of one Hunter of our. Show. It was one of our. It was the first. It was our actually, first yeah. test show. It was a test show, and and we'll get around to it eventually yeah. doing it again because it is a great film, and I think we have a lot still of thoughts to put out there on the world on it i'm sure i have at least my half of the file somewhere still well you've been rambling for at least three years four years about this hollywood theater and i got here uh it's definitely not in hollywood it's in portland yes yes Uh, the hollywood district of portland but yes it's Uh, not not california much like its name it's a beautiful facade i mean you go up there and like uh i mean it looks like you're Platonic idea of what a theater should be like from the outside. A, a very like classical, lavish idea of a theater. Yeah, it, it was the theater was built in 1927, uh, and and has been lovingly kept and restored over the years. It's a is a big staple part of of the city, uh, and the facade is uh, you know the same design as when it was originally built. It's it's a it's a gorgeous palace. It's definitely a movie palace. Yeah, is, is how I would certainly describe it. Yeah, it feels like a palace. It feels palace-like. It has very strange, like winding, like staircases <laughs> that aren't yeah, staircases. The, the interesting, it's a, it's a several stories. There, there's a second story you can go up to where they have two additional screens besides their main theater, where they do a lot of the uh, first run shows. Currently, they're showing uh, Candyman and uh, what is it? Like Burning Fire? What's it, that movie? It, it, it's a movie with Donnie Yen. That's what I remember. Yeah, has fire. Ra- in the, raging. Raging fire. Raging Bull. <laughs> but yeah, so it's got this really wonky kind of like like circular staircase that goes to the upstairs. I like how wonky the whole theater is. <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, it feels really, really outdated in a charming way. So. Well, 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 it feels historic. Yeah, is, it feels is how I would say it. Not not necessarily outdated, but definitely uh, it's not modern for sure. Yeah, there's nothing modern in there. Um, I like that there's like a pizza window as you're in line for your food. That's yeah, neat. they they have uh, they're connected with a local business that's right next door called Sizzle Pie, and uh, you can go and get a slice of pizza there to watch during your movie. We did not do that because we ate it at the uh, burger place instead. Yeah, we got um, we got some bottled root beers. Uh, so that's and popcorn. That's, that doesn't always happen in a theater. Getting like a craft root beer. That's that's nice. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Um, and and the theater 
Very, very packed. Ah, this was the biggest crowd I've seen since I've been back, and I've seen probably five films at, at, at this theater since things opened up again. It was full, and, uh, that you know... felt a little uncomfortable around people again, yeah, honestly, but... but, but we, we did have the security of knowing that everyone who was there uh, provided was va- proof of vaccination. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there, there, was all... a lot of, there was a lot of young people. What's all with the students? I don't like seeing students. I don't know. I don't know if there was a thing going on. There was definitely a, a, a younger crowd... For, I mean, for whatever reason, it's mostly been older people when when I've been going. That's that's the general crowd because those are the people who can afford to give, you know, uh, like generous donations to keep this place afloat. I moved somewhere where people go to escape just so I could escape students. I mean, <laughs> I've I've been one, but I never want to be one again. Yep. Yeah. Damn students. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, the the Hollywood theater. I I guess I should say lives up to everything you built up to it. I mean, I'd put it in my favorite theaters among the ones I've been to, like in Paris or uh, some of my favorite, like just holes in Seattle that are like a, I like a real divey theater too. So mm-hmm. I, I have some real grungy ones that are personal and I won't share because I don't want other people to go to them. <laughs> uh, but there's three in Seattle that, that I frequent that are chains and I won't reveal them on there. So. That's that's wonderful to hear that it lived up because it's it's been such a special place for me for, for quite a long time here and I've been dying to get you out here to, to check the place out because it's such a nice place because i know you you usually go to the more you know like you're, you're kind of the, stuck going to the the chain places well, yeah the my and review stuff. requirements are yeah, like yeah, yeah. They're, they're not going to show them in the nice theaters you know uh, the prestige ones as much maybe, maybe a maybe couple sif maybe they'll show them at sif right might, or like northwest film forum if you're very lucky right but just you, you know you're not gonna go see shang chi at at one of these places you know Although there there are some nice first run theaters here that that are you know kind of uh, historic places in in Portland like the Baghdad Theater yeah uh, which I which I also love where where I would probably go for those kind of films for a Shang Chi yeah but they they usually don't have the space you know to do these kind of more repertory and curated showings like the Hollywood does and and they're you know mostly allowed to uh, and and kind of run off of that way because they are financed largely by uh, donations and memberships, uh, as opposed to these other ones, which do have to rely on, you know, revenue. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, they asked like, who's a member in the building and everyone who wasn't a student or me raised their hand. Yeah. So that was nice to see that there's so much, uh, goodwill there. I mean, it feels like a community in itself. So that's what you want really. Yeah. It's, it's a absolutely wonderful place. And, you know, I think it's, it's one of those factors in that really enhances, the experience because uh the the people who go to these kind of theaters are the kind of people who want to see the these kind of movies they don't view it as just something to do on a saturday night or whatever you know uh, any old activity it's it's people who are really out here to experience films in the setting that they were designed for you tried to get me down for point break which i think would have been fun but um i think this was the right way to go I think any time you mention a French director, I'll probably drive down. <laughs> I'll make the three-hour drive to, to I mean, see a French film. I, I think for most people, you know, Francophiles excluded even, yeah. uh, Tati is not a hard sell. Uh, yeah. play Playtime is, you know, and, and, you know, to be like kind of like what's considered the pinnacle of his filmography, too. It was really exciting to tackle this one and yeah. talk about it, especially since, uh, you know, we, we've already dove into Tati a little bit, talking about... Monsieur Hulot's holiday. 
Did we do that? Did, yeah. Is there an episode of that? There There's, is an episode okay. of that. That was after my vacation last year, so it's been about almost a year since since I first saw that and then brought it to you and got that for you as a gift, so we have a little bit of back and forth relationship between Tati. I think uh, I gave them to you, you gave them to me, and I mean, that's all. it's all good now. Uh, I mean, between Monster Hulu's Holiday and Mon Uncle and then Playtime, I mean, that's just a great trifecta. Yep. I watched Traffic the other day. I forgot to log that, but I, oh. I'll, I'll, I'll get to log in that one day. I, I like Traffic. I yeah. think I yeah, think in I some stretches, <laughs> it's like better than some of his other films. But mm. as a whole, it's definitely like, it, it's, an, it's a good effort. It's a good Hulu film. You know, not the greatest by by any stretch. It's hard to kind of for it to go toe to toe with the others there. But, yeah. Uh, I think anyone who likes those other films will still really enjoy Traffic and see the 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 artistry and the vision behind it. It's just not quite as exemplary as uh, you know uh, something like Playtime. I mean, do we presuppose that anyone who's listened knows who Monster Hulo is already, or I mean, should they... we fill in the gap for someone who? Does not. I, I I would presume that if they clicked on the Playtime episode, they would be familiar with it, but sure. Unless they wanted to hear about WarioWare. I mean, maybe that's why they listen to us. That's that's probably true, since, you know, we don't have a video game podcast to talk about <laughs> those kind of things anymore. <sighs> so sad. Uh, yeah, Monster Hulo is a lanky figure. Um, he's he's very tall and, and strange in his own body, and um, exhibits a world like of uh, very innovative circumstances, and uh, he kind of crashes through um, facades of bureaucracy wherever he goes. He's it's it's a recurring theme, at least between Mononcle and and Playtime. They're very prevalent. Something like in in his his first appearance in Monsieur Hulot's Holiday. That's not that's not there at all. It's still like vacation industry and like what's wrong with these people going on vacations and the ultra rich and. I don't know, but it's less, yeah, much less than yeah, Monocle. It's, it's way more kind of like like laid back, you know, kind of more gag centric, you know, very very kind of like like relaxing mood. Whereas I think there's a very clear consistency and through line uh, in both Monocle and Playtime, but especially in Playtime, it's like I play, re- Playtime is an expansion of what. Yeah. Mononcle first dabbles in. I am afraid to say that we both uh, agree with our friend Stephen and we didn't like the movie <laughs> after seeing it in the theater. I mean, uh, sometimes seeing something blown up that big on a really beautiful screen can really expose all the flaws. Yeah, in in fact, it exposed you hated so... It too? It, uh, I hated it so much that I went around and ended up actually loving it more this time. Like that circle like going into the... The building. You you did like one of those loops and then straight ahead. Yeah, there, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I followed all the way around, looped, and then we went right back in. Yeah. Um, I just, I ran into the invisible wall. And... <laughs> There's so many, I think, really great, memorable gags in, in playtime. Uh, moments that I was like anticipating coming up again, waiting for that moment to Me come. Too. And, yeah, and so the punchlines. But also, like, lots of great ones that I'm like, oh, I didn't remember this bit. Or, or oh, that plays so much more than I had remembered it, you know, from my first viewing. Uh, but but even more so, like, just the consistency and and the the, the pushing through of the, the thematic and the narrative of the film in a very succinct uh, and, and clear manner. I think uh, the way it, it manages to marry those two is quite wonderful. Yeah. I love seeing so much the response of other people. I never know if I should trust like a movie going public, but 
this is the one thing that I have to recommend the Hollywood for is that I think people responded to the right things and they were there for the right moments, um, which I, I'm, I'm very worried about with the Tati. I'm like, does that even connect with like a modern audience? And uh, yes, yes. I think that I think the great thing about it is that it does. And it, it, uh, one thing that really surprised me was that I, I was not expecting this. Uh, this print didn't have any subtitles. No. Which I, I was... I wasn't sure about it first. It, like when watching, I was like, I know there's certain things that aren't translated <laughs> yeah. in the film because does they're it just like them on back Criterion. I'm I'm pretty sure it does. I feel like I, I don't want to like like interrupt our discussion yeah. here to double check it, but I'm pretty sure there there are like translations of certain conversations because there is a lot of mix of languages going on. There's there's one really great bit where there's there's the 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 door salesman guy and he's like yelling at Monsieur Hulot in, like, a mix of yeah. German, French, and English all at the same time. And, and I'm just, like, hearing all of it go on. I'm like, this is... And, and it was hysterical to kind of, like, get just, like, the bits and how he's pulling it all together and this, this mesh of it. And, of course, I think that might have been the loudest laugh in the movie, which which I didn't... I don't remember having that response on an individual one. The... The silent door. The, my, well, my favorite part of it was when they test it and set the gag up, and he bangs the umbrella on it, and it was just us two in the theater laughing. Yeah, if, if, everyone if else first, ignored that that setup for that great joke. Well, and that's and that's the interesting thing is that uh, the the mix of of volume of laughter that you see exhibited throughout, because there's pockets of chuckles for for certain jokes like that that the audience kind of finds mildly amusing, and then they build. And I think that's the brilliance you see in, in playtime throughout, is that everything is building. It builds on a crescendo until the, the punchline is a kind of cacophonous laugh. Yeah. You know, there, there's a big roar. And again, that's what, like, uh, s some of the best moments are, particularly the, the, the silent door gag. And then, of course, when you get to the end of the calamity with the restaurant, like, yeah. that produces a whole lot of, like, big laugh-out-loud well, moments. It's lingering for so long. And I realized this time maybe too long in the restaurant, but, uh, I mean, like, they, they come by and season the fish four or five times. It's I mean, great. They, they have and, so and, much time to set up this restaurant falling apart. And, there's, and then the thing is, there's, there's lots of those little background jokes that keep coming up. One of the things I noticed this time is how smooth it transitions to the restaurant bit it's yeah. a film of like two halves because you have the beginning half which is kind of the like airport arrival airport arrival the slash the kind of like bureaucracy the the monotony and and what the, is it like an innovators like conference or, or there, something there's we something, have no subtitles i think the whole point is is that it's a lot of places like hulo yeah. kind of stumbles his way through a lot of places and they all look the same because he's constructed them also i mean this is like the at the time the most expensive, expensive french, french film. production yeah, yeah. And so a lot of it is his construction. We see that, like, again, like, the terminal. We see, like, that overhead shot of, like, those those little rooms that mean nothing next to each other. It's so fun when he's exploring down there and he sees the, the gal at the thing. But it's, like, a maze. But all of it seems like a facade no matter where he goes. Like, the walls seem to go nowhere into rooms that look the same. And, uh, yeah, I mean, even the restaurant. <laughs> Eventually but the facade always falls off. What I noticed this time in particular was that... Because there, there is a story. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was, in the beginning, they, there, there was someone. I heard someone behind us. They said something like, "Oh, you know, it's not a film you have to worry about the story about. It's just like you, you watch." I don't agree. And, yeah, and I, I disagree completely as well because there's a very clear narrative thread between, first of all, you know, Monsieur Hulot in it, but more importantly, the the uh, American tourist woman. <laughs> yes. That yes. the the film is essentially her perspective, her I eyes. Agree. 
and thematically that's like a big deal you know the the vision of paris that she has yeah and and the the reality of the the modernity over overreaching and kind of overtaking the the beauty of the world but how it eventually blossoms through through the you know humanity of the people and and the verve of life and yeah. such which really culminates in in the I think beautiful finale where it's like the the whole city is literally like a carousel. Yeah. And it's great. But uh well, I think it's like Americans coming to Paris and expecting something modern and very French and then then getting faced with like the innovation and modernity of like the Well, there's the like bureaucracy this, this whole and, idea yeah. like I, I love seeing like the the travel posters are a great joke throughout they're good. where it's all yeah. these different places and, <laughs> and they're, they're all exactly the same. the same with the big, well, you know, building. My favorite one's the one of London with the with the what is it the red bus and then the, and the, the big, big building ben hidden behind the yeah. monolith building. Oh no, and then the guy in front of it and then she like turns over and she's like that's a perfect picture. It's the same thing in France of the guy <laughs> with in front of the bus but it's green. Mhm. Yeah. With that large uh, building that but, looks the same. But throughout, she sees these glimpses of <laughs> yeah. of the city she has in mind. She sees uh, the the Eiffel Tower and the Arc de Triomphe reflected, you know, in in the win- these windows throughout. They're like these, uh, assumably from these like like posters off screen. These these visions of Paris that you, she's not actually able to see in real life because they're all overwhelmed by this kind of singularity. This kind of almost like dystopian. You know, kind of future, you know, vision that that Tati has kind of realized for the film here, but again, it it, it culminates in the realization of the you know the, the the liveliness and the beauty and the color of the city that you get towards the end. But aside from her story, there's also in the beginning Hulot's story, yeah, where he's just trying to track <laughs> down this guy that he has some meeting with. <laughs> My favorite gag in the film is so dumb. It's it's the simplest one too. It's the long hallway. It's mm-hmm. just the, oh, the, the endless hallway. It just kills me, and you can't you can't not laugh as the guy like stubs out his cigar cigar and goes back and lights it up again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, He's just telling Tiller. Like, he has yeah. to tell Hulot like, no, don't get up yet. Like he, a couple times. Yeah, he walks over and checks that, and the seating gag is is really oh yes, a recurring with the seat delight. Because it comes up again later where the guy is like trying to sell him the same seat in a different spot, and <laughs> yeah. he does the same things. But Hulot is trying to track down this guy all throughout the film, you know, like the beginning half of the film. And, and eventually, just by kind of like like serendipity, he does end up seeing him in like the middle of the street. And it's right then, right when that like chase like to find him is resolved, that we get the beginning of the restaurant. Yeah. It switches over immediately. It's really good. And I, and I think that's, that's just crack pacing there. I think it, it's, it's terrific, you know, structure. And it, and it seamlessly moves over. Uh, there, there's a good bit of time before you know Hulo comes back into it, but it's it's all brilliant setup again. It's like it's like this really meticulously crafted crescendo that the film is building towards. There's a lot of like small absurdities that start building up yeah. again, like just the idea that this restaurant is just barely like like being built and they're kind of like scraping together to get it yeah. all you know coming. So you already have this idea that it's not fully completed so that when everything starts falling apart later it's it's you know very well set in your mind it's already full of strange characters like waiters that are perfuming themselves with the lemon from fish i i think i think one of my favorite bits in the movie is the recurring guy the guy who gets stuck outside for ripping his <laughs> pants yeah and then whenever somebody else has a clothes incident they they, 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 they yeah, he, yeah he gets like a a, a a ripped jacket a busted shoe like a someone drops their bow tie into like some food and so he has to go trade and he's just standing outside the whole time 
the greatest part about the spaces and places that Tati makes is that they have the repetition. And he's able to build them and construct sets, but he's also able to like move those sets to other places so they could look like the same spaces and places refracted through like a different lens. Like the airport could look the same as a restaurant, or the restaurant's a kind of tourist destination that's the same as the arrival to an airport. Or, uh, there's like a confluence of it all, and then you only see like a um, even. It's a facade too, but you see the Paris only in the reflection of the door coming out, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, you you only stay within the Tati spaces outside, like that the traffic circle. Mm-hmm. I I think it's just a very wonderfully constructed, brilliant, beautiful film. The staging, of course, is great. Again, this is this is the kind of genius you get when you do let someone who has a true cinematic vision just run with it, and you give them all the financing, even if it ends up like totally flopping in its time. Yeah. You know, I think we, we kind of went over the same thing when we talked about Metropolis. Again, yeah, another did. magnificent, masterful film that was the most expensive of its time that also fell flat on its face. I mean, people really don't want new ideas from movies. They really just want social change. I mean, that's all they're really paying for. That's all they demand. But uh, th- these things catch up later. Like now we could be in a packed theater seeing playtime i doubt the theaters were packed outside of paris no uh so uh, god it's but... also i can i can see somewhat why it may not have succeeded this time because i could see why it's, it's not pop now too. it's yeah not an easy film to to sell i think innately because there is a uh a, a kind of distance to it in, in, in a way it's it's very human and and humorous and awful like like i think anyone could watch this movie and really get it but there is a, a a kind of distance from your typical structure. Again, it doesn't yeah. come out and give you a story in a more literal sense. It's a broad narrative, yeah, uh, which might alienate some people who are not as willing to engage with it constantly as it kind of demands to be. Because it is a film that you you kind of have to search over and and look for in different places, even though it's very meticulously presented and it guides your eyes again even though like there's there's a lot happening in any given shot but the action is always oriented from one to another again you're you're not having to look all over the frame for a bunch of different things at once tati has a very specific idea of where he wants you to be at any given moment yeah i mean he directs your uh line he directs lines through his own construction of the set so every line is meticulously uh, situated toward one focus uh, focal point of a like a painting but uh, there's also the aspect where seeing it on the big screen really opens up the picture and shows how much he uses of the screen it's, and how much those lines and spaces and places intersect it's no doubt that it's his his biggest film and maybe one of the biggest comedies out there in terms of like like scale ambition you know it was, it was like on my bucket list of things that i thought should be shown on a big screen so I think I, I was so glad to see that they they were showing it, and it was definitely like a a must do, must get to, uh, and and you can just see how gargantuan it is. Like I'm I'm pretty sure the majority of the buildings in the movie were made yeah. for the movie. A lot of it's just yeah sets, but they're like really well. I mean they're they're huge. Some of them because it's commenting on like extreme modernism. Also, it really works that it's like all slide in sets. And... Well, one of my favorite scenes as well is is the in between somewhere in the middle it's it's at night where hulo is kind of like whisked into this guy's house and you get this four panel view of these people (laughs) yeah 
like like they're displays, you know, they're they're you know almost exhibits in a zoo. But at the same time, you get this interesting perspective of them watching each other. Like they're they're you know you see two different households like engaged in watching a television, but it's almost like they're reacting to the other side because you're not seeing the television, you're seeing it from <laughs> and that they're all watching side the same perspective. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and that's definitely a thing as well, because when you do get perspectives of the TV, they're literally watching the same channel. <laughs> Like, they're all, like, hold away, like, in their private reserves, but they're all doing exactly the same thing in the same direction. It's like they're in conversation with each other. I, but that's the moment where I realized that it was okay not to have subtitles. I did look. They are on the Criterion. Yeah. Uh, but that's the moment where I thought, it's okay that this film's just a conversation between languages and people from places and uh, those posters on the wall that, that say the places. Oh, you don't need the dialogue, surprisingly. You get the sense of it, because, again, the narrative I think is... it hurts, honestly. I think not having it made me focus more on, like, the action, and that was speaking more to me than... I think having the dialogue didn't help the film as much. What what it proved to me is how truly transcendent of, of language and culture that this kind of comedy and this kind of direction is that mm -hmm. was always evident like again we you know tati is always kind of compared to the likes of chaplin or keaton or, or whomever in terms of you know their ability to appeal on a mass level the universality of physical comedy yeah but it's it's obviously so much more than that because of the storytelling through the action and his directing might be better than some of those movies i mean it might be more refined and more french I, in specific I, ways. I, I would think it's definitely more meticulously Developed, crafted yeah, yeah. Uh, because he was able to to control so much more, but also on such a larger scale too. Yeah. Again, like like Chaplin's often pointed to as a as a perfectionist, but you know, not like Tati is a perfectionist. Well, well yeah. on on such a grant, and again, so and we see more of him directing uh, on a, on a larger scale, divorced from himself. Yeah, Chaplin is obviously so characterized so much more by his own performance. Yeah, you know, generally speaking, and Tati could kind of fade into the background. They're not all Tati films, like you say. It's about the woman's perspective. There, well, there are large stretches of playtime where there's no Hulo yeah. at all. Uh, I I thought he came in a little later in the film. It's it's kind of interesting in the opening scenes. You don't get a lot of him, but you get like little peeks of him. You, you, yeah, he's kind of in the background. You kind of get at like the, at the beginning. It's kind of about the place more than it is him too. So yeah, and 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 it's just kind of like sprinkling him in there as you build up to the first scene, which is like the the hallway bit, like you talked about, and then of course there's the lengthy gap where the um where, where the restaurant is first being set up. It's a, it's a long time before uh, Hulo actually comes into the picture. There wasn't my uncle like that too. It's someone else's perspective of him. There's I, it's there's been like a year. I think there's a little bit more of him okay. in that one than this. It's it's hard to say. Uh, there's there's a lot of different things going on in, in Mononcle. Um but I would say this one's probably like least Tati, but also or, or sorry, least Hulo, but also that's partially because of the larger runtime with this film as well. Yeah, this is a this is a lengthy film, two and a half hours, uh, but it earns that. I, I don't think it's ever it ever feels like it drags necessarily. It's it's such a strange trajectory for the Hulos to be like, okay, here's Hulo on vacation, here's Hulo at home, and here's people arriving, you know, arriving to Hulo's home. It's very strange. Mm -hmm. And then uh, tra traffic, traffic is kind of kind of similar as well. It's like it's like yeah. him leaving. He he goes out on like a road trip thing deal as well. Um, I don't get it. like for such a small collection of films. It's very interesting how very refined the Hulu character is. And just because we skipped ahead here, I doubt that means that we're not going to get to Mon Uncle. That will be 
a prerequisite, I think, for us. I w- I'll definitely do it. I'd do all of them, you know, at, at some point. I've enjoyed all of the, the Tati films that I have seen. He's becoming one of those directors that, like, define our show, too. Like, we have, like, Wilder and Lynch to a small extent and Wells and Tati. I Altman, think that's nice. Altman, too. I'd throw in Altman. Yeah, I'd throw in Altman. We're, we're probably going to get to a lot more Altman as well. Yeah. And um, he was a very early definition of our, our show. And you got me a, a beautiful poster. Of I did. Uh, it's a belated birthday present, but some beautiful McCabe and Mrs. Miller artwork. To Who's kinda, that by? That was... uh, the, the artist's name is Tony Stella. He's he's a uh, German artist who does a lot of uh, poster work. He does a lot of contemporary stuff, like like actual commission stuff too. Like, you know, uh, he did the poster that you see for uh, Bakura and uh, he did... Oh, wow. I love that poster. Barry yeah. Jenkins' uh, Underground Railroad. Yeah, I have that's, heard of him from that Baccarat poster because I looked it up. I loved it so much. And you have this uh, awesome Mifune. Yep, uh, he did that one for uh, Mifune's 100th ber- birthday celebration this last so year. Great one. So t- check out Tony Stella. He's on Twitter. He's, you know, great artist. I, lo- I love seeing his work and I'm, I have no problem shouting him out here. Yeah. Thank you so much for the birthday gift. That was, that was nice. Yeah. Oh, I, I wish I could have given it to you sooner in person, but I, I think then we might have missed out on this opportunity. To, yeah, to I'm, I'm glad we didn't do Point Break first now. I think this was the movie that I needed to go see in the theater. Yeah. I, I love Point Break. It would have been fucking great. But It was yeah. it was a great time, but yeah. uh, I, I think this was the more essential experience, yeah. I would say. Particularly because, uh, not only that, uh, it was on a print. It was a film print, too. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's been a while since you've seen like an actual film print did you feel like that enhanced your experience at all or i see them i see them often enough but it's fair it's not as often as i would like it always enhances it's always always a huge enhancer of every film you could see i'm a big fan of film i think it's it's just interesting to see like where the film is worn what age is usually at the beginning and ends of real character yeah and it's interesting because there are long stretches in the middle where you probably couldn't tell you know, you know, based on if you're looking at a restoration or the actual yeah film which is being projected, but there's definitely a, a special quality to seeing it on an actual reel to see it, like to know that it's literal light being projected through these images that were recorded onto you know uh, the, the the film here. I mean, my favorite part of that's when like the film burns or when it's uh, when it's kind of feeling like it's all going to fall apart and then it it comes back. I mean, that's just. It, it's never the same digitally. Uh, you can't mank yourself out of a corner. <laughs> yeah, and and again, that's not to knock digital. But it is film. also. <laughs> well, well, they're they're important, of course, for for preservation qualities and the advancements yeah. in technologies and and what you can do with editing nowadays. and all that. Yeah. yeah. Again, we wouldn't have uh, all these beautiful physical copies here available to us and these without wonderful reservations yeah, yeah without digital technologies so so it's you know, very good too i mean we benefit all the time from digital more often than films so. but but sometimes as well you, you have to wonder like what if these were our only experiences to see these films what, what if this was the only time you got to see playtime in some ways like you have the tragedy there of the lack of access the you know, inability to find these, uh, you know, uh, on your own and, and go down these rabbit holes yourselves and this whole great cinematic journey that you can carve out for yourselves. Yeah. But then, like, on the, the trade-off there, the way people did this for, you know, decades and decades before physical media was that, you know, it's this special 
curated experience, this kind of revelation in a, yeah. in a theater. Can, like, imagine, there's there's definitely people tonight who saw this for the first time. That's there crazy a, to me. There were a lot of students. Did, did you hear the very chatty couple behind us? They were a little too chatty. Yeah, yeah, a little too chatty. Got on my nerves a couple of times, but at the same time, I, I appreciate that they're having such a good time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been just hearing people see it for the first time. I've been just... Uh, uh, the, her reactions, especially, were were she was, like she was very measured proud. up to the moment. <laughs> like she was very uh, keyed into what was going to happen, whether it would, if it was funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's always one of the best things about seeing a film, seeing a beloved film in a theater, is to to gauge how people around <laughs> you, the people who are new for the first time, seeing something that that see, is great. That's the problem. Is I see everything with press, so it's dead silent the whole movie and. Except for uh, Fast 9, where we all laughed. <laughs> That's the only movie to elicit any response from the from the hardened Seattle press. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you were out here laughing with all of us as well yeah. with, with playtime. My, my two modes, my two speeds are, you know, living life a quarter mile at a time and, and driving three hours to see <laughs> French cinema. <laughs> I'm I'm going to have to keep my eye out for for the next thing. Uh, once they have Romare, I'm uh, come live at the theater. <laughs> <laughs> they, they'll have to drag you out. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm so glad that we were able to get together to talk about playtime and just to spend time together as well. We had so many nice conversations off off the mic here as well, and uh, I I very much hope that we get to do it again here, and I hope that everyone listening. Uh, enjoyed the the enhanced experience of hearing us in the same room together here having shared this experience it's very hard to drive all the way home and not say anything about the movie to one another <laughs> yeah absolutely I, i'm just so happy that it's, we got to do it and thank you for uh hosting me here ab- absolutely uh i hope you will enjoy your accommodations in the extra bedroom we have here it's it's very late now so <laughs> i think we will sign off and i will edit this in the morning and, and put it out uh next week uh we have a very special podcast coming to you ranking the monsters yes but we also have a very special twin geeks cast coming to you we do yes isn't is not next week your uh, special episode with pavlos oh yeah yeah, yeah that's uh, that's right so uh in light of the the, the tragic and saddening Loss of uh, Norm Macdonald, my uh, favorite comedian, and maybe Pablo's. Too. I think I think he is too. Perhaps yeah. we'll 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 learn for sure next week, and maybe he'll also shed some light on the Daydreamcast situation. But um, <laughs> I'll give him to talk about Wario. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe maybe you guys will be too busy, you know, morning like, cry, crying on each other's shoulders. Morning, to, Norm Macdonald. Yeah. So you, you guys will be talking about dirty work together. God, that's the last person I want to mourn. In <laughs> like, if I could think of anyone in Hollywood that I wouldn't want to mourn right now, uh, that bastard survived Artie Lang. That's a that's an achievement. Mm-hmm. It it was it was definitely a very sad day when that news Fuck. hit. Yeah. So I won't work you up now though, because I want you to save all of your tears and emotion for discussion with Pavlos. I know you guys have a. A, a, an emotional journey ahead of you, so... I mean, when he talked... I was surprised he wanted to discuss the Steely Dan song, Dirty Work, but... <laughs> but I, we already covered it, it pretty thoroughly in that in that episode. What was it? The the Steely Dan plus the Sting? Yeah. 
It was definitely more of a Steely Dan podcast than it was with Sting. I think so. <laughs> but that's okay. But uh, we're going to cover the song Dirty Work in depth next week and cry about it. Mm-hmm. All right. Should we just read it together? Sure, sure, sure. Okay, let's well, let's let's see how this fine. Goes. Let's do our outro together. This okay, time. we we just we don't stop even if so, we simul- fuck this up. Okay, right? okay, okay. Ready? Three, two, one, go. Thanks for Thanks tuning in this week. week. Make, Make sure, sure as, as always, always to check out, out our website, thetwingeeks.com, for our latest reviews, retrospectives, and features. You can, you can follow, follow us on Twitter as well as the Twin Geeks and individually at the Calvin Kemp. And, and at, at the, the David A. Punch. A Punch. Don't forget to, to check, check out, out our sister video game show, The, the Daydreamcast, Day with Pablos and Brogan. Available on Apple, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and, and anywhere else podcasts are played. played. Don't forget the Ranking the Monsters as well. That's not written here, but we, we do have another one. Leave a review Re- and, rating and rating if you can. can. And, and we'll, we'll see you next week for another conversation, conversation on classic and contemporary, contemporary cinema. cinema. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you just can you just play that? Can we hear what that? Yeah, yeah. Like hold on. <laughs>